Welcome to the Fangled Cast, brought to you by Fangled Technologies, where we help you convert every person your company touches into a voracious advocate for your brand. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Fangled Cast. Today's going to be an interesting conversation about private equity world and marketing and sales and how it all sort of comes together with my guest, Chris Ahern from the Sterling Group. He's one of the operating partners for the commercial area of this private equity company. And I'm kind of excited more than I normally would be to have Chris on because he's actually the guy from a company that I used to work with that recently changed its name. And I'll let Chris introduce himself and tell you a little bit about that backstory and, and who he is and what he does. Welcome, Chris. Andrew, thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, uh, Chris O'Hearn, I'm with the Sterling Group out of Houston, Texas, and we're a mid-market private equity firm uh, really focused on industrial companies. Uh, I have a long career in industry as a operator within companies serving largely in commercial capacity. Spent three years as a CEO of an international company. I spent seven years with Texas Pacific Group, TPG, uh, in operations, and then joined about a year and a half ago, joined the Sterling Group. And uh, it's been a really great uh, first year and a half with uh, Sterling. And we, as a firm, have a fairly disciplined and uh, involved operating team that works with our portfolio companies. And we engage with the deal teams during diligence and then work hand in hand with the deal teams through the onboarding and value creation planning process, and then throughout the entire life cycle of the investment. That's really cool. I mean, the 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 reason that I brought Chris on uh, to the show, and we've we've become acquainted over the last few months, is one of the the companies that's in the portfolio is a company that I used to work with when I ran uh, their international division. It was at that time called Polychem, and they've gone through a rebranding, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. But uh, the, the main reason is I kind of want to walk through because we, we, we talk quite a bit about private equity and what it does, but I, I want to sort of help the audience understand better, not just they bought the company, now what, but I want to go back to the beginning. And because we're a marketing and sales focused podcast, talk about that. So when, when you're looking at a company for potential acquisition, Chris, what, aside from all of the financials and, and what the number guys really focus on, how important is the status and how do you evaluate the quality of the marketing and sales teams within companies to decide if it's a right fit for you? Andrew, that's a great question. And it is, it is an evolving area. So when we're looking at companies and going through diligence, there's always, when you're thinking about growing a company, there's always two paths. You've got the inorganic, which is gonna be mergers and acquisitions. And then the organic growth, which is how do we grow organically using the levers of Salesforce effectiveness, price, and marketing. So I think we all know from our time in school and working, you know, when you think about growing organically, you can raise price, obviously. You can sell more of the, your existing products and services to your existing customers. You can go find new customers and you can create new products. So uh, we look at that, the whole commercial area, meaning marketing, Salesforce effectiveness and pricing together to say, how do we work with all three of those to make sure that, that 
we are putting the foundations in place to grow organically. And so early on, so, so, so I backed up and said, okay, I'm in diligence, what am I looking for? And what we're looking for sometimes does not uh, correlate to the information we can get or what the company has to show us. So marketing information is typically pretty hard to get. When you're in the mid-market space and in industrials, the sometimes there isn't anybody that owns marketing. Sometimes it's a, you know a single person, or sometimes it might be spread across the organization. But usually, you can get some information about trade shows. You know, you're rarely getting information about how well they're using their website to you know capture leads and/or do lead generation or doing uh, demand generation. Uh, digital de demand generation programs or those types of things. So marketing is kind of difficult to get information. You can look at their website, and I always do, and you can kind of, they always share, you know, some of their sales collateral or some of those things sure. uh, and a little bit about their trade shows. But then you rarely get anything about, can you tell me how many leads are generated from the 100 trade shows you go to a year and how many of those convert? You don't get that information. So you um, kind of, Put that aside, ask those questions, and then you move on where you can usually get some pretty good information around pricing at a transactional level. And then you can get information around sales. And typically you're looking at, um, you know, sales productivity, how Salesforce is organized, how they're paid, uh, you know, how they're covering the market and all of those types of things. But those are the areas we look at. How much data we can get is always questionable. But what we do know is, like if I can't get a look at a sales pipeline, then I know there's probably opportunity there because uh, I'll ask if they're using a CRM system of some type, but if they're not, then it gets into how do you measure your sales force? Yep. Uh, how do you make sure you're covering the market? Uh, so it, it gets at, they, they typically do have some good information around their customers. Who are their top customers? Uh, length of customer, tenure of customer relationships and those types of things. And then we try to dig into you know, a lot of the companies we buy, they sell multiple products. So we try to look at, you know, share of wallet by either branch and or by a salesperson. And we look for opportunities in those areas, but it can be really challenging to get that, that information. So usually least challenging is information on pricing because you can get transactional data. Then next is probably Salesforce. And then marketing is probably most difficult. How, how often are you sort of walking that tightrope in all of this to not alert the existing employees that they're even possibly up for acquisition? Does that, does that challenge even more in terms of trying to dig in and understand? No, it doesn't. Because when you're, when, when the company's for sale, those people that are involved in management meetings and involved in the process, they know that they're going through a sale process. Mm -hmm. So you can typically talk to the people directly um, but you're largely just talking to the CEO, the CFO, uh, the head of commercial or revenue or whatever sure. that area, then they could own pricing, marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. And you're talking to, you know, the head of operations. So it's a fairly small group of people you're talking to that, and they will then go and you put in your data requests or you're putting your information requests. And you put in your questions for when you go through the, uh, you read the confidential information memo that comes over that's about the company. And then you begin to look through that and look for 
areas that you want to explore and you put together your list of questions and data requests. And then you get those, sometimes you don't, but when you do, uh, then you have a management meeting and you're on with the management team and you can ask them questions or clarif clarifications of certain pieces of data or things in there. And it's a dance that goes on for a period of time. Uh, and in the background, you're continuing to do analysis to try and understand, okay, from a marketing perspective, you know, here's a company that's got multiple websites, you know, what if we were to put them together or it looks like they're not uh, promoting themselves, you know, well or whatever on their website. And with sales, it looks like they could be organized differently to cover more of the market. They could use an inside sales channel to augment their direct field sales force. So there is, there is in that early stage already the beginning of if we end up acquiring already what, what strategies might come in place. How, how often do you look at outside resources to be able to do, for example, market study on, on the segment to understand better than what the company's telling you where they are in, this, in the market space? Yeah, you know, and to answer that, maybe Andrew, if I zoom out a little bit and just look at the whole process. Sure. As a firm, as, a, as, a, as an investor, you know, you'll spend time looking in the market for themes. Mm -hmm. You'll develop a theme around a particular sector in the market. And then once you develop that theme, then you, and, and it can take a year, two years, three years, you can be looking at uh, themes within a specific sector of the market. And you'll begin to understand that market more and more and more. And then you'll begin to understand the players in the market. And then so then you decide, okay, we want to, follow that theme and you'll start to look for companies. And so then you find a company to buy and you look at what the opportunity is to build a platform mm -hmm. in that market. Then the next thing you do is you begin to go through diligence. So you already have a little bit of a macro view of the market. Then you can get a bit of a micro view of where is this opportunity or company within the market and how do they play within the market. Then you go through the diligence process and you're learning. And while you're going through diligence, you're beginning to think through where there are areas to improve uh, the company mm -hmm. through mergers and acquisition, through sales, force effectiveness, pricing, marketing, and then all the operational so meaning. This is kind of the point where you're interrupted for just a second, where you're, you're really looking at, is this a company that we would buy to be an independent company or would it be a bolt-on to something else that we already have that would enhance that business? Or are we buying this because we know that we have to bolt other things onto it to make it into what it needs to be? Typically, when in my working with three different private equity firms, my experience is, you know, on the operating side, I'm obviously not a deal person, but typically you buy a company with a view of how you're going to grow that company. Mm -hmm. And you have organic, you have MA. Mm -hmm. and you have new products and you have new markets. Mm -hmm. So maybe we're all into domestic US and we need to get into Europe or South America. Canada. Sure, sure. Maybe we want to, we see there's an opportunity to go into the adjacent space by doing some acquisitions. There's some technology or products that are great bolt-ons for that, for that particular company that can expand its product set or make it a more holistic solution for a customer. So you're looking at all those angles. So. So you're going through um, that all through the acquisition then coming out of the, if, if you're successful, then you come out of that and you create, you begin to put together your value creation plan. Mm -hmm. 
And that is simply how do we identify and then prioritize what levers we're going to pull over what period of time to improve the company. And then once a value creation plan is done, everybody agrees on that and it's all prioritized. Then you start to move forward with your planning. You start to think about, so where do we use third-party resources? Sometimes in diligence. So we need to go to some, to get a third set of hands or someone that is technically, I use the word technically to cover skilled and or expert in a particular like pricing or marketing or sales. And we want to get some benchmarking and or we know that they can do some really rapid analysis for us to let us know how we can uh, quantify what the opportunity might be in that area. So that's the diligence part of it. Sure, and sure. People in diligence, all PE firms do. And then uh, all firms will then, as you go through the value creation planning process, you'll begin to understand what is our capability within the organization. And there's two things we look at is size of the prize and time. So in private equity investing, time is your enemy. So you need to move quickly. So you're trying to do things early in the investment, make a few bold and good moves, and then you're trying to capitalize on that for the remainder of the investment. So it's not about fixing everything. Right. It's not about making a company um, perfect. It's about how can we take the company from where they are to the next level? And so when you're doing that value creation planning process, you very quickly say, well, if we're going to do an engagement here, say around marketing, and we need to do rebranding, what capability do we have in the company to do that? Meaning how skilled are they? How knowledgeable are they? Oh, do they already have outside resources that can be used? And then we'll determine from there whether we need to go get outside resources. And if we do, you know, we try to either leverage resources the company already knows, the CEO or others might know, and we try and get those organizations to help. Then we, we move forward. And then also when we're in, we might be uh, doing something, say, working on sales, and we decide that we want to, you know, go to a dual sales channel. We're going to add an inside sales channel, the outside channel. We may go engage a firm that can help us stand up gotcha. an inside selling organization, right? Yeah. Or if we are going to need a CRM. We will look for a partner that can integrate the CRM program, yeah. configure, the, configure the CRM. So all the way through, the, going all the way back to diligence, and even before then, if we're getting into something that we might need help on, we're already identifying partners that we're going to need to go through the yeah, so that, and this is all this is all almost in in terms of thought front of mind pre-acquisition so that so that when the acquisition happens and again yeah. in, in the PE world you, you focused on this time is of the essence it's how do you get from zero to moving fast enough to to because obviously the, the the goal is to grow the business and, and be profitable yeah. um, and it's funny I mean there's so much flack out there about private equity from from years back where it was sort of this vulture capital idea of we're going to get in and we're going to disassemble it and we're going to yeah. almost every project i've ever been involved with in in private equity has been how do we take this and make it better which is right. which is really the projects that we want to get involved with. we do a lot of that pre-due diligence ourselves yeah. as an outside source for for guys yeah. like you yeah. and and i've always been so impressed with how how it does get valued where the reputation is that it isn't. It's yeah. uh, in, in 20 years ago, I would talk to, to the beginning of PE groups 
And it was always, uh, I can tell you anything you want to know about a company just by looking at the balance sheet. And today, mm -hmm. you don't hear that anymore. Uh, which is why I think this is such a relevant conversation. So, so now we've done all of that. The acquisition has taken place. It's been announced to the employees. We're now going to step in. How often was all of that pre-planning very close to what really needs to happen as opposed to we walk in the door and the surprises, uh, like, like they say, everyone, nobody's surprised until they get punched in the face. Is that Mike Tyson? Until yeah. they punched. How, how often does all of that pre-planning fall apart and how often is it wow we we were we were on we need to do a little adjusting and move forward i th that's a great question and so i'll go back to your barbarians at gate and den of thieves comment of old school private equity in the 80s strip it down strip it down to the bones you know put it back out there you know, the market got smarter yep everybody gets smarter right so now you really have to grow mm -hmm. and so i say that because the answer it's going to give you the answer to, to, to the second sure, part sure. of your question which is you know, how often your effort, the fact that private equity in general has been building out a cadre of what they call operations, which are people that have an experience doing, right? So uh, doing jobs and being inside of a company. So that has provided a, a big jump in favor of knowing, not being surprised when you get in, as well as using outside resources. Mm -hmm. As those outside resources, because they are expert at what they do, when you get in, they do a better job throughout diligence or when you get in, getting to the root cause. And so usually the day that you acquire the company, you are pretty accurate on most items. Mm -hmm. Typically, you've either undershot it, uh, what the potential is, or um, the company may already be doing a good job there. But I don't think you run into the challenges anymore, the big surprises, like, uh-oh, yeah. we, didn't, we, we didn't realize this. And that's largely because of those two items, you know, having operators that have been there, done that, and they, can, they have a detector where they can smell it. When someone's not yep. being honest with them, where they see things that are presented one way, but you dig deeper and they see another, and the use of these outside resources during diligence and during the uh, during the value creation process. That's that's really really interesting because, you know, it's it's it, it, what's what's the expression about the skunk smell sticks around a lot longer than the than the skunk. Yeah. It's the, the reputation from the 80s. And when I get in conversations with, with folks about the work that we do with private equity, you know, pre, we, we call it PE forensics, where we go in and, and look at, at companies before they're acquired. Yeah. I, I've been called all sorts of names. Ah, you get involved in these PE guys. Who, I'm like, you know, this is 30, 40 years past the expiration date of that thought. Let's move forward. We're, we're looking at companies to make well, them better. Yes and no, right? So Yeah, they still I, exist. I but I worked in two firms that one was acquired by a PE company uh, in the late 90s. And it was like that. Yeah. You know, I remember being called in. I was a divisional vice president and I was on the road and I got called in an emergent meeting. We were in there. Some guy showed up. He was a new CEO and there was another one from the firm. And they said, a third of you won't be here in 90 days. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they were, it, it was a, a, a difficult environment. Then I went to work for another company that was owned by a PE firm 
And it was better, but it was still fairly difficult. So when I got called to go to work for a PE firm, my initial response was life's too short. Yep. And then I was asked to at least come in and meet some people in the firm. And I think that most firms today are, are have left that behind. I think there might be relics in the market like that. But even as late as 2015, there was a Bloomberg Business Week, and I have the article and I'll, I'll the picture, and I'll send it to you, Andrew. It's, cool. it's a guy in a gray suit and a chainsaw, and it says, "Hi, we're PE, and we're here to help." Right? <laughs> That's hilarious. I think that everybody's, you know, I I, I can name I, like when I'm working with people in companies or by PE, you know, the thing is we move at a very fast pace, and there's people in the firm, there's people in the firm that we find in the companies we buy, there are people that have, that just rise to the occasion and they're, and, and they love it because they want change and they've been waiting for change. Sure. And then there's some people that, you know, just aren't interested in that pace and the, and the level of work. And so, um, you know, if you talk to someone that got bought by a PE firm and they had a really good experience. They got challenged, they got promoted, they were able to do meaningful work and meaningful projects and contribute. You know, they'll tell you it was a great experience. If you have people that really weren't interested in change of pace and whatever, they might tell you that it wasn't such a good experience. So yep. you know, it, it all yep. depends on the person because we take organizations and we change them pretty dramatically. They don't yep. look like they, when we sell them, they don't look like they, Look like when we when we acquired them, but they're better. Company. Completely they're better. different. Yeah, I, I remember I, I was involved in a project not long ago where I was brought in to help grow the company because they eventually mm -hmm. were going to position themselves for sale, and everyone in the in the operations division had been there thirty something years, hadn't looked over the wall into the neighborhood mm -hmm. in thirty years, and I would start to talk to people and they would hold up their hands like this, hold up the number three, yeah. and I go, what what's that? I got three more years here. Yeah. I'm not changing Jack, you know what, in, yeah. until I retire. And if you do, we're going to take you out behind the building. I mean, literally threatened that way because I'm not changing. I've been doing this. I've been working here for 40 years. I'm ready to retire. How dare you come in before I leave? Yeah. And then I've been in places where you walk in and, and you would think that you were the second coming. Oh, thank God. The owners haven't let us do. They don't listen to us. They thank goodness you guys are here. And it, and, and it could be all across the boards, depending on, on what you're getting into from day one. Yeah. I mean, people, it's, it's people are people, right? And organizations are made up of people and different people and there's no yep. bad people. It's just, you know, yep. they might not, they maybe didn't raise their hand to say, I want to do this, whether they're been there for 30 years or five. It, yep. it's, uh, it, it's, it's just anytime things change, not just companies, yep. but our commute changes, things change typically. That's why there's all this stuff around change management. People typically don't like that. What's the old thing? The only person likes change is the baby with a white diaper. So, um, you know, in my mind, PE equals change. And so you're going to get yep. various responses to that, to your yep. point. And the hope is that it's a positive change. So, yeah. 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 And, you know, when, when folks are, are I'm, I'm involved with, with a group called Exit Your Way and, and I'm one of the one of the members of the organization. And together we help companies that know that within three or four years, maybe five years, they're gonna sell to take mm -hmm. them to the next level to, to position themselves properly. And from what I'm listening to, to, to our conversation today, of the things that you're looking for, if they can organize their sales funnel so that it's clear, 
have a clear message, a clear brand and what they're doing, they immediately sort of move up in that attractiveness to private equity who might be interested in acquiring them. Is there, is there anything else that they should be looking at in terms of how they position themselves? Uh, no, I think that's important. And, and I think the other thing that's important is, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I've come in the eight or almost nine years that I've been doing, working inside of PE, private equity-backed companies is, you know, the word transformation probably isn't one that I use mm -hmm. because transformations take a really long time. Yep. And uh, what I try to do is go in and identify some areas where we can get some wins. And, you know, I, I can't do everything, pick some areas to win, and then really double down on those areas and do a few things and do them really well. So programs, projects, things like that. And then, and then just try and get those done because if you try to bite off too much. Yeah. You don't have enough resource and you don't make the progress you're gonna to want to make. So, so if your hope is that there's gonna be, and, and some firms do do big transformations, I've done them. But generally speaking, you know, if you're in a business and you've been acquired by PE, you probably have all of those things that you wanted to do, right? And now there might be capital to do it. There might be desire to do it or whatever, but everything's not going to be, everything's not going to be fixed. Like I remember working in a company and I was out with the number one sales rep and he sold a lot of uh, trailer parts. And I remember him giving me all the list of the things we needed to do to be better in trailer parts. And I said, you know, he said, the rep, I said, I, I, I totally get it. But, you know, we're really focused on wheels, axles, brakes, and under the hood, right? So, you know, learn that because yeah. you're going to be asking for that forever. And he said, he paused, he looked at me and says, Chris, nobody's been that honest with me. I can go do that. I've just been a trailer guy. I'll go yeah. become a brakes guy. And he remained the number one sales rep, but it's like he, he was relieved that he's always been wanting to do this, but it just wasn't something that nobody ever told him no, right? And I yeah. said, go focus on this and be successful. Yeah, we're going to find all of our, from the supply chain all the way through, we're going to be really good at that. So you're going to be able to have the best value proposition in the market. Mm -hmm. for, your, for, for your other, for the other stuff you're selling, you're going to be cobbling it together constantly. It's going to be exhausting. And yeah. you just switch direction and went for it. Last, last week, I was having a conversation with a CEO. We're, we're discussing doing a project for their, their organization. And the guy kept saying to me, well, you know, we've got a long way to go. We've got a lot of stuff to do. And I said, well, good, because I'd be nervous if I met a CEO who said, we're there. We've arrived. Yeah, we got it. We're good. We're, we're perfect. We're Because yeah. that'd be the guy I'd be afraid of. He, yeah. Talk yeah. about irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So, so tell me, uh, as, as we... we starting to run run out of time here. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that that, that you think it would be important for the audience to understand to, in relation to, to what we're talking about today? Yeah, but it's not, if, if your audience is looking for ways to engage PE firms to provide their services, yes. there's, there's a couple of things that are really important. One is private equity is episodic. We're either raising money and then we're investing and then we're exiting. So think about where we are in that episode because we're going to need different things depending on where we are in the cycle, right? Yep. So where normal companies just continue to grow in PE, we have these, this cycle and these episodes we go through. So there's the diligence, there's the value creation, there's the maximizing what we've done, and then there's getting ready to sale. And so there's different things you can do there. So if you're coming into me on the end of an investment cycle with a big CapEx, likely 
you're not going to get it because how do we get value out of, we don't have enough time to get value out of that mm-hmm. or a big hard solution to implement. Not always, but generally speaking. So that's, that's one thing you have to think of is where are we in, in the life cycle? Two, you have to understand that your, my reputation for bringing you in, your reputation is my reputation. So don't come in and promise things. Like the, what I like least is everybody that dumps on me. We can give everyone the soup in the kitchen, right? We can do everything. No, no. If you're really good at barbecue stuff, then focus on that. Because if I bring you in for something else and you don't execute, it's my reputation in the firm. Absolutely. And it's your reputation. And other people at PE firms will ask me, have I worked with you before? So make sure that you, del- you, you don't try to sell or deliver on things that you're not really, really good. It's not a good place to experiment with things that you haven't done well because we move fast and we can't be waiting. Uh, so that's number two. So make sure that you don't commit to things that you can't do really well. The third thing I would say is you have to be persistent because we've got a lot, we're very busy and we have a lot going on, but if you can stay in contact and share best practices here and there and those types of things, eventually an opportunity will come up. And if you, if the right opportunity comes up and you get in and it could be a year, it could be two years. For one firm, it was, it was two and a half, three years. And now they're doing, and, and once you get in, if you do a good job, you're going to be the go-to. Sure. You will be the person, the firm, the whatever in the firm that they go back to again and again and again. Because one, you've, you've learned how to, I, people don't take time to learn how to work with private equity and it's very different, right? And so if you, if we've worked with you and you understand how we operate and it's very complicated because you're working with us and you're working with the company and it can be a little kludgy in terms of who is your boss and who do you report to, it can be, can be that way. Uh, then, then you, you've got a really good chance. But those are the three things I, I, I would say. Number one, understand what cycle we're in. Number two, don't bring things forward that you want us to be a, an incubator for. And number three, make sure that you um, understand how to work with us and understand what the ground rules are going in so that you can have a good engagement and so we can come back to you again and again and again and again. So valuable. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in my head joking, thinking that I can, I can hear the neurons in people's brains popping with this great information that um, I, I think what you're saying is, is something that so many people need to hear to truly understand what it means to work with a PE group and why and how. Um, extremely valuable. I, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on today and talking to my audience. Well, it's my pleasure. And, uh, you know, you're welcome. Hopefully it got what you needed and we need to come back and dig deeper in some other areas. I'm, I'm happy to do that. But. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll have you back on. I've, every once in a while, I get a twofer going with, with a great guest. So yeah. th- thanks so much again for, for yeah. coming on. It's been valuable for your audience, Andrew. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, and for, for the audience, thank you for, for joining us again today. If it's not your first time, then thank you for joining us the first time today. Uh, please tell a friend. Feel free. You can, you can kind of click right down here and subscribe so you can get future episodes. And again, we will see you a week from now on the next episode of the Fangledcast. Have a great day, everybody. Brought to you by Fangle Technologies, where we help you convert every person your company touches into a voracious advocate for your brand. 